Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. Apart from this week, yes, I've got an extra guest this week. Now, if you listen to the show religiously, every Friday I've got a brand new episode and Secure the Insecure episode 105 came out on Friday with the amazing Katie Piper. She's talked affirmations, manifestations, imposter syndrome, self-development. She's incredible. You need to listen to that episode. But today I'm doing an extra special episode for you because we're halfway through Channel 4's Married at First Sight UK. Now, you know in lockdown, season six just went mad of the Australia series. And then they brought it back to the UK, they brought Mel Schlings over, they brought my god Paul C. Bronson in, and it just blew up for E4. It's getting 1.2 million viewers a night, and therefore, we need to talk about it on Security and Secure. And I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. And so I'm reuniting with my favourite reality TV partner in crime to dissect all things maths. She's a journalist, an author, a badass woman. I'm delighted that joining me on this special episode of Maths UK special is the wonderful Harriet Minter. Hello, Harriet. For a second there, I thought you were going to say, and I always have a special guest, but not this week, just an average one. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. You know you're my number one. I should hope so too. I should hope so. Thank you for having me. Well, there's no one else I could dissect the show with. And you know, it's one of those things, you know this, that sometimes we watch TV and we watch it in our own pace and we don't have anyone to talk about it with. Like Selling Sunsets, everyone just kind of picked up yeah. out of nowhere. And so I need you to basically dissect it with me to basically feed my own ego. Well, you did get me into Married at First Sight. It was your recommendation that got me watching the Australia version. And then from there, I watched last year's UK, which was very different. And now this year's UK, which is madness. Because this series, they very much based on the Australian version. So with the dinner parties and the commitment ceremonies, but with the added drama and the added input from everyone else. It's like if Love Island aged 10 years and announced it really wanted to have babies that's what it's a bit like i think well you've still got the drama instagram interior account that kind of thing yeah well you've still got the drama and you've still got the influencers you've still got the people want to be famous Mm -hmm. but there's a little bit more of an element that they're looking for love well i i don't know if they are i've got to be totally honest i so the 
such a different gate between Marriott Fair Site UK last year and the kind of five seasons before and this season because that really felt like a proper experiment. The original version felt like a proper experiment of people looking for love. You know, they it wasn't very glamorous. They lived in their own houses. They kind of had a reality crew following them around. They had, I'm going to be honest, quite ordinary-looking people signing up for it. And then this year, they have definitely gone for the people who didn't get on Love Island. Haven't they? So, previously, they've had a 75% success rate. And when you look at the series now... And the people mm-hmm. on it, the age range on it. And obviously, you're always going to have slightly older, but slightly older, we're talking Frankie yeah. level. You know, we're not talking yeah. elderly. But then most of them, you're right, are quite young, like Josh, like Megan, like Bob, like Ant, like mm-hmm. Amy. They're all there who are all young. Realistically, age 26 with Josh, does he really want to get married, really? No, he doesn't. And then man, he doesn't want to get married less. He has no interest in being married. And then you get people like Amy, and this is what's interesting for me, because I'm sure you would say the same thing to me. Of, go on, maths. Go on. You can't get a girlfriend. Go on, mad at first sight. Paul will help you out. You know Paul. He'll do it for you. And you're like, okay, I could do. But I'm a journalist, and Amy's a journalist. And so we know the way the TV works. We know how to get screen time. We know what they're looking for. We yeah. know what to say. Is that authentic Amy? Or do you think, look, Amy's doing it as part of a job so that she can become the next big sports presenter? Um, I think it's really hard to fake something when you are on camera all the time. And they're not on camera all the time, but it's over quite a sustained period of time. It's quite intense. You're going to have a lot of emotions. They are trapped in these absolutely tiny flats. So you'd really have to have a very, very strong control over yourself in order to keep a kind of act going for that amount of time. However, I think they all know to some extent that actually if they want screen time, they have to stick in a relationship that maybe they're not feeling. They have to kind of move things forward in a way that perhaps they wouldn't do. They have to create some drama. That, for me, is the thing that it feels this year a little less gentle, a little less romantic than perhaps it has done in previous years because it's definitely, definitely got a cast that know what they're doing. But romance, in Love Island sense, is let's watch them all have sex. Next on the beach is let's really yeah. watch them have sex. With Married at First Sight, we don't really want to watch them have sex because I, I, I think the question is, why? what are we watching it for? Because we always have those first two weeks, which is just the weddings and them just hooking mm-hmm. up. And obviously we've not got to find it. I don't know how they're going to do it. But with the Australian version, the last series, you had those final three episodes where it was they recommitted to themselves and i literally scrapped that i was like i don't need to watch it i can find out at the last dinner party who actually stayed together so what are we as a viewer looking to watch are we watching the fights or are we watching the romance or do we actually want to see the sex well i do think in a way this is the one downfall of married at first sight that love island has kind of got around which is we don't see them as people really on married at first sight we see them as couples so on love island we actually get to know them as individuals a bit we see their friendships forming we see the kind of banter and daily interactions as a group and we kind of know them as personalities whereas because on Married at First Sight they're coupled up they're in a couple and everything is about them in a couple we don't get that familiarity with them I think and that for me when I was watching Married at First Sight Australia which is a similar format to this year's Married at First Sight UK it dragged you know there were like 60 odd episodes 
and halfway through, it's a bit like, I can't see them go on another challenge and have another fight about it. But the flip of that is that that is what being in a long-term relationship is like. You don't have new interesting fights. You just have the same fight in a different location. And Marriott First Fight does really show that. And that's the thing with reality TV. If we take it back to Castaway back in 2000, which was all about, you know, here's what it's like to live on a rural island. Mm-hmm. And Big Brother, which was, here's a science, a scientific experiment where you put people in the house, how do they get on? Married at first sight is, as it says on the tin, it's there to watch people get married and what is life like when you do get married. But as a TV viewer, and when we're watching so much non-linear TV on streaming apps, we want to be buzzing all the time we want to be putting our phone down to go oh my god i need to watch this scene and you're right sometimes it does drag because there just isn't anything happening at that moment in time i think there's also something which is for reality tv they don't like to they don't like to leave things to just kind of tick along they're constantly feeling like they have to be forcing action so producers have to be making something happen i think we saw in an episode last week Morag do this big confession of the fact that Josh had once or maybe even twice messaged her on a dating app, you know, kind of two years ago. I was like, is that a big deal? I mean, is it, you know, if he'd been your ex-boyfriend, yeah, maybe. If he'd messaged you during the show, definitely. But he messaged you on Instagram two years ago and probably about 800 other girls at the same time. That's just life, isn't it? Well, I, I didn't see what was exciting about that, but they made a big deal of it. Well, th- this is the interesting thing, and this is where we really come into our own, you and I, if peeling back these layers. Is it important to showcase when other people have messaged you on an app, be it a social media app or a dating app, previously if you've then seen them again years later? Um, so I don't think it's important. I sometimes think it's quite fun, right? So if you're with your other half and you bump into somebody that perhaps, you know, you matched with on a dating app or you had, you know, a bit of a fling with at some point, to have like a, oh, my God, that person or like six years ago and this happened, that is a, you know, it's a little bit of letting them into your history and your past. What I don't think is necessary is to tell their new partner, oh, by the way, two years ago, your partner now messaged me on a dating app. I mean, that feels very unnecessary to me. Because also, where does that insecurity come from? Are you supposed to be trying to make Amy feel insecure and question her relationship just because she's looking now at Morag to go, oh, is that what Josh really likes, not me? It's not going to happen, is it? I think the other thing within this is that, you know, there is a competition within the competition, right? So, ostensibly, the goal of the show is to meet the person you spend the rest of your life with and to leave the show blissfully happy and coupled up with them. But all of the people on it are aware that actually the competition within the show is to stay on it as long as possible and build your following as much as possible and get as much screen time as possible so that when you leave, you can potentially have a media career after it. And for me, what I saw in that point was actually a lot of the girls realising that, because I don't think, I think Amy and Josh quite fancy each other, but no, there's no chance of having a relationship outside of this show but they want to try and keep it going as long as they can so they can stay in as long as they can. And I think the others know that. And I think that there's a little bit of them sort of saying, hang on, we know this isn't real and it's a bit boring. So if you don't have anything real, sorry, your time here is up. You've got to go. But at the end of the day, as much as the producers can say that, and I'm sure there'll be 
versions of maybe not necessarily manipulation but versions of you know bending it a little bit to kind of go right you're saying this but what you really mean is that don't you and they go no no, no. And they mm. go no you really do but ultimately it comes down to writing on in the commitment summary to say stay or leave and only the contestants can actually write that down so even if josh and amy say oh yeah we probably don't like each other and they still write stay they naturally have to stay in the competition they're not going to refilm that no but what i do think starts to happen after a while is in particularly in the commitment ceremony you see the other contestants slightly calling them out so we saw it in Married at First Sight Australia when we had they had a couple where one of the girls was clearly not into the guy at all. The guy wanted to leave, the girl was staying there and they called her out on it. They were like, you're just doing this because you want to be on the show. You're just doing this to force him to be here. Let him go already. And in doing that, they are saying, hang on, you know, this is not a nice person. Let's denigrate this person's reputation. They're not good people. You don't want, you don't want to be following them. You want to be following me. And that, I think, is the game that actually they're all playing. But the pendulum can swing the other way. So, for example, let's take Bob. Obviously, Megan cheated on him, uh, if you call it a cheat. But mm. whatever happened, that happened. But what we saw was Bob. And if he wants to be a personality, absolutely fine with me. I really like him. But we saw him wear his heart on his sleeve. And as a man, come out and say, look, I'm going to cry and I'm going to cry on TV. And even if it's not grieving the biggest loss that he's lost an actual human being and he's grieving that there was a kiss it's still okay for a man to cry. And I think that's something really powerful to take away because Love Island, we know the audience. We know the audience is really young. Whereas Mad at First Sight is a more young, professional, early 30s mm-hmm. audience. And therefore, to see a man cry, this is brilliant. This is what we want to see. On a kind of practical level, I think Bob really missed actually an opportunity to leave as a hero. So when the cheating happened... And the whole of social media lit up. Megan, how could you? How could you do that to Bob? Justice for Bob. Get Bob a great girlfriend. Bob, I'll go out with you. And I think if Bob had at that point said, actually, I'm really upset by this. I'm genuinely kind of heartbroken that something I put my time and effort into has been so dismissed and I have been so dismissed as a person. This is not for me. I am leaving. I think he would actually have left with more goodwill and more people supporting him and he would have gone on probably to have a you know a very good career as a butler's entertainer um but because he has stayed and i'm sorry he and megan are purely there to eke out the kind of social standing for as long as they can they have no interest in each other whatsoever because he stayed he's losing that goodwill because it's really clear that as a couple they're not that into each other that they are faking it for the cameras And that, I think, ultimately is going to count against them in the long run. So, yes, it was great to see somebody who actually wears their heart on their sleeve to can express their emotion, who can really, you know, show what they are feeling. But then what happens is when we see that authenticity, we don't then see it followed up with authentic action. We don't trust them. So the authentic action actually there would would have been for Bob to say, do you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm done. I'm leaving. But he did the inauthentic action, which was go, well, I don't want to be a part of it, but I'm going to stay because that's how to boost my follower account. And so people go, oh, hang on, that feels a bit icky. I'm not into it. Oh, see, this is the problem view, Harriet Mint. You may be a relationship coach, you may be a life coach, <laughs> but you're so wrong because we know <laughs> what has happened on the other side when my beautiful girlfriend did the exact same thing on Love Island this year. 
My dear Lucinda could have walked away with Brad in week three and she decided to stay. She's still authentic. She's still doing well. She's still beautiful. No. I mean, yeah, this is sort of what we see, right, which is that you can't really in these shows fake it. You know, people can fake it for a little bit, but not for a long period of time. And actually what I think is fundamentally more dangerous about this is both Megan and Bob, I think, are quite damaged people. And I'm not entirely sure how they passed the psych assessment, either of them. Um, and I think keeping them on a show where potentially that tide of goodwill is going to turn against both of them, I think is going to then be very, very difficult for them when they leave the show. Well, this is the interesting thing with a show like this. We're not looking at go on Love Island and then you'll do Slebs Go Dating and then the challenge, etc. Mm -hmm. We saw Ben Jardine a couple of years ago who was on episode three of my podcast, Kidding Go, going to Slebs Big Brother. That's the only ever time we've had someone from Married at First Sight go out there. I don't think this cast is strong enough, is known enough to get on another celebrity show and equally they're not going to get put on another show as a brand new contestant either because they've still got some sort of following. Oh, I actually disagree. So I think this, this cast has been specifically picked to kind of set up some love island career trajectory. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
territory, which is, you know, they're young, they're good, for the most part, young, good-looking, social media savvy. They are going to be, you know, they know that they are doing it for the exposure. And that just like with Love Island, just like with any of the other shows, not all of them are going to win, but one or two of them will come out with a career from it. Okay, so who are you predicting would do that? Because Bob's got 32,000 followers. Uh, who do I think is going to come out with something from it? Potentially, Taya. I think Taya's got a lot of likability. Um, and because she's got this lovely love story going with a man whose name I can never remember. Is it Adam or Owen? I can't remember. Adam. Um, Adam, thank you. I think she's very likable. She's got a kind of, uh, sort of sad backstory. She's got lovely romance going. I think she's going to be the kind of sweetheart of the show. So I think she might come out of it with something. And from the guys, I think any of the guys coming out with anything, um, I think... Oh, actually, also Morag. Taya and Morag would be my bet. That's where I got my money. I like Taya. Morag get snapped up by the anyway, anyway of Essex. We live in a world right now which, in, you know, sort of right or wrongly, requires people to sell their trauma. So particularly, I'd say particularly women. So we ask people to talk about the darkest thing that's ever happened to you, the saddest moment, the most difficult thing you've ever been through. And when we do, we kind of reward people with that, with loyalty or appreciation. And I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying that's kind of how TV and fame at the moment works. And so because both Taya and Amy are doing that to someone that's not, and we've seen lots of the others do it, lots of them have had recent bereavements, they've had difficult periods, you know, it makes it easier for us to warm to them. So perhaps they don't have to then try so hard to win us around. That's very interesting because it kind of comes into that conversation about availability, which we're going to move on to now, of they're available to be relatable on TV so that we can have a relationship with them mm. as a viewer. You know, again, Lucinda, she's my girlfriend. We've got a relationship <laughs> going. When it comes to availability, though, do you think they're all emotionally available, even though they've gone on a show to say, yes, I am? I don't know. I mean, in short, no, absolutely not. But I think what's interesting is I think they all think they are. So the most obvious example to this for me is Megan. So Megan is in absolutely no way, shape or form ready for a relationship. Not at all. And that's really obvious from A, a complete freak out about Bob, who, whether she fences him or not, and that's not her fault if she doesn't, that's it's entirely subjective, but whether she fancies him or not, he's a nice guy. She could have a nice time with him. He'd probably be a bit annoying, but relatively easy to get along with. The way she responded to being matched with him, I thought was really telling because it was almost like she had been insulted. It was almost like the producers of the show had insulted her by matching her with Bob, who she just did not think was worthy of her at all. And we know from her dating history that she has a history of going for people that perhaps don't think she's good enough for them. And so kind of treating her quite badly or not fully committing to a relationship with her. And she also has this desire to be a Disney princess, which is a very, it's a very childish desire. Um, and so what we saw was somebody turning up at the altar being like, oh, I'm going to meet my prince and he's going to be so handsome and amazing. And this is going to sh finally show that I am worthy and that I am valid because I am going to have this amazing prince and princess moment. And then she met Bob, who is lovely, but very average, like a very, just very nice, averagely lovely man. And she's freaked out because it's impacted how she feels about herself and her own self-worth. 
And unfortunately, what that means is that she has a lot of work to be doing herself before she's ready to be in a relationship with anybody else. And they could have put her with anyone. And I think she would have had one of two reactions. So she either would have reacted the way that she did to Bob, which is to be like, this person is not worthy of me. Or she would have been like, I am not worthy of this person. Oh, my God, they're so amazing. And she would now be running around as Bob is, desperately trying to make them fancy her. Um, and so, again, with Bob, we see somebody who is not really ready for a relationship because he doesn't have high enough self-esteem. He doesn't love himself enough. So he's looking for somebody to love him to make him feel worthy. And the two of them together is just a, an incredible example of what happens when two people who are not yet emotionally available for a relationship end up in a couple. I couldn't agree with you more. There's literally nothing more to say. You've literally said everything I would say. That was exactly it. Exactly <laughs> it. Um, so that's Married at First Sight. Whilst I've got you, Below Deck Med, where are we up to on it? Are you up to date? Uh, I'm one week behind. So what was I, what did they say in the last, the last episode I saw? They got rid of the extra girl they brought in for a, an episode and then she went again. And I can't remember what else happened. No, you're up to date. You're up to date. I'm up to date. Okay, so Below Deck Med, it's available on Hey You. It's got my other girlfriend, Malia White on. So what are we thinking? Because the big conversation that happened, and, and I think you're up to date, so you should know this, is that they had the big dinner and uh, Lexi said to Matthew, you should be aborted. And they had this big row and Lexi was taken off the boat. Are you up to date with that or have I just ruined it for you? Oh, I haven't seen her be taken off the boat. So I saw the row. I didn't know she'd been taken off the boat. Okay, fine. So, she might have been yeah. taken off the boat. Maybe not, but maybe yes. Um, what did we think of that fight? <laughs> so what I thought, again, about Lexi throughout the whole show, and I think there's something specific here, which is that the Below Deck franchise has been criticised for being very undiverse. So it's been criticised for being very, very white, which, in fairness, the yachting industry is very, very white. I think what happened was they went, we need to get some black cast members on here. So let's not perhaps put the same level of rigor around psychological evaluation onto potential black cast members that we would potential white cast members. That is me being kind to Bravo. I don't think they're doing any psychological evaluation, quite frankly, of their cast members. Um, Because if they had, there is no way Lexi should have made the cut. No way. The girl has some issues and she needs to, she does not need to be working those issues out on a massive TV show. And I think it's absolutely not fair to have put her in that position and also not fair to the rest of the cast to have her in as a kind of very volatile personality in a situation where producers are manipulating them all to really be their worst selves. That's very interesting, yeah. And look, she look, she lost her dad recently. She's doing 18-hour days. Mm-hmm. She's in a very confined environment. Obviously, you're going to yeah. lash out. Obviously, it is human nature to be like that. And as you talk about diversity, and this is something that you've always been very vocal about, is that sometimes the diverse person is put in there almost yeah. like a grenade to blow, and that's yeah. what you want to see them do. And that's, it's, that's, it's, that's what the producers built them for if that makes sense and also it's what we then really see about it is we then really see a lot of the kind of cast members who are maybe perhaps not as aware of the whole kind of debates around race and how we talk about particularly black women and the language we use then do show some stuff that's actually really uncomfortable so we see them you know sort of 
assign the angry black woman trope to her. We see them get frustrated with her. We see them kind of isolate her. And that is particularly hard when you see that happen to the one person that is of a different skin color or is of a different uh, sexuality or whatever it might be. You know, I do think seems like somebody who actually does need some help in that situation. I think that was actually a real kind of dereliction of duty on the behalf of the producers. This is not to say that I do not think, I think Matthew is really flipping annoying and I would have blown up at him too. But I probably perhaps not wouldn't have used quite the same language. And what are we thinking of Chef Matthew? How does he compare to, of course, Chef Ben? I mean, he is no Ben. He's no Ben, and I don't think we will ever again have another Ben. Um, I, I think he's a nightmare. If I was Captain Sandy, I would have fired him the first time he walked off, but I appreciate that it's COVID and it's very hard to get stuff. <laughs> sure, talking like a true captain of a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry, uh, um, before you go, we need to talk about um, your book, Working From Home, How to Build a Career You've Aww. Loved When You're Not in the Office, because you are Thank what you. they call an author. There's Rich Dorsman's book, and then there's Harriet yes. Minter's book. You They're are an author. The Financial We're Times said... very similar amounts of money, not. Yeah. Well, well, you should do, because the Financial <laughs> Times says Harriet Minter offers a one-stop resource for those working from home or those who want to work from home but are still sceptical. People Management Magazine said, a must-read for post-COVID times. Um, I mean, my... Oh, can't, no, I can't see my comment there. Uh, maybe it's not on the website <laughs> I'm looking at. Um, working from home. Now, obviously, we've all gone back into the office or slowly going back into the office. Uh what are we noticing now? How does your book become more current post-pandemic? Well, I think when I wrote the book, the whole idea of it was actually about how do we design a working life that works for us. So regardless of where you want to work, you should still be thinking about the same thing. So you should still be thinking about, am I doing the stuff that I love and I'm good at? Am I working in an environment that really works for me? Am I working with people that appreciate me? And so the book helps you kind of work through all of that. But I also think what we're going to see more and more of in the coming years is actually people working differently. So you will have people who are in the office full-time. You'll have people who are working from home full-time. You'll have people doing a bit in between. And what we all need to do is work out how we can work with those different modalities, um, which right now I don't think anyone can. Also, I've got to say, I think if everyone thinks they're about to go back to the office full-time, they are going to come in for a big shock in about November when suddenly we've got spiking virus rates and Boris announced everybody's working from home again. So I just, I wouldn't be planning to be back in the office full time quite yet. No comment added to that. <laughs> uh, because you've loved working from home. I've, I've been working with you when you worked from home. Oh, it was like a luxury for you. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get a glass of water. Oh, I love oh. it. I remember doing the radio show and I used to like get in the break and be like, oh yes, I'm going to make myself a little snack. It was delightful. But then we had to go back to the studio. But this is the thing, when you're working from home, how are we changing our communication skills or have we changed them? Because I feel like what we've gone is gone, right, okay, I'm going to put all my barriers up and I've got Michelle Element on my podcast in two weeks' time from Scarred Not Scared. We're talking about boundaries and that. And I feel like what we all just did was like, okay, I'm working from home, no one talked to me, I'm not having any meetings, I'm just getting on with it. And I feel like we've just accepted that. We've not actually tried to communicate and actually make a difference the way we work. Um, I read something really interesting the other day, which was somebody said, if you are somebody for whom work is generally just going to meetings, you are missing the office. And if you're somebody for whom work is getting things done, you're going to miss working from home. And I think that is very true. I think actually what working from home showed a lot of us is that we were spending a lot of our working hours not really working. 
you know, we were in meetings talking about things and thinking about things or having a meeting for the sake of having a meeting or making sure that somebody knew what we were doing, but we weren't actually getting stuff done. And so what we all need to realize is there's a level of productivity that comes from working from home. It's really important that we should try and keep that. But what we should also do is think that when we're in the office, how do we use that time better? So actually, how do we use that time to have better conversations? Can we all think about how we can upgrade our conversation skills? So how do we become better listeners? How do we ask better questions? So that when we are together, the communication is better. And then maybe then we need less of it, but of a higher quality. A feminist, you are Harriet Minter. Where are we at yeah. in feminism now? What's bit, what's biting that <laughs> bee in your bonnet? You've usually got a bee in your bonnet. It? Where is it on the scale? <laughs> obviously, there's a scale in in that masculine world that we live in. Obviously, there's a scale when it comes to feminism. <laughs> Never about masculinity. Funny that. Do you know what? There's an interesting thing going on with feminism at the moment, which is there's a bit of a backlash towards feminism. So there's a bit of a backlash, which is sort of from the youth who think that feminism has not gone far enough and hasn't kind of been inclusive enough. Um, when actually, I think what we're going to find as we go forward is that we need to think about how we can be more inclusive of everyone. But in doing that, we kind of can't forget the stuff we've learned along the way. So we can't, we can't just lose the importance of feminism. And I, people sort of say, why do we use the word? And I say, well, because ultimately it's not about equality because women are still not entirely equal to men. And until that happens... We can't just talk about equality. We have to talk about feminism so we don't forget it. And I think we might be in a period where we need to remind people of that for a little bit. I think you're right in the fact as well that you've got this kind of cancel culture happening at the moment across the landscape and feminism is kind of being scooped up in that rather than it being seen as a separate definitely. issue. Definitely, definitely. We, you know, we love to cancel people for anything and everything they say. There's obviously lots of debate at the moment around um, kind of trans rights and how we can support those. And what I feel when I talk about it is that what we're not allowing for people to do is say, I don't know what the answer is. We really want people to say, yes, it is this, and I believe this, ignoring the fact that, you know, all of us have developed our views and grown our views over time. So what I want to be able to do is say, actually, I really believe this right now, but I am still learning. And I'm open to your ideas and I'm open to your thoughts and I want to know how to make it better. And I would love to see more of that, but we're not really in that place at the moment. I don't know why. Oh, Harriet Minter there, broadcaster, journalist my friend, feminist, everything underneath as well. She's amazing. Now, look, we're going to continue the feminism conversation this Friday when episode 106 of Security and Secure comes out as I'm joined. And actually, it's one of Harriet's friends as well, Danny Wallace, uh, Queen Bee. She comes on to talk about female empowerment. You've been listening to Security and Secure with me, Johnny Seifert. If you've liked what you heard and you've learned something or you're watching Married at First Sight, pull it all in the comment box. Go on Apple iTunes, give it a five-star rating. Go down to the comments and leave a five-star review because that is really important. It's important you say it's okay to not be okay. Harriet's going to join me. She doesn't know this, but she is. She's going to join me in a couple of weeks' time when after the final of Married at First Sight happens because we're going to have to dissect that again. 
and obviously the feminism pendulum will carry on and reality tv world will carry on i absolutely love speaking to harriet and i'm so glad i had her on security and secure this week you've been listening to johnny seifert thank you so much for listening until next time thank you and goodbye 